0: Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate watson Smythe And I'm Sophie Robinson. And today we are very excited to welcome back our old friend, the television presenter, Michelle Agunderhin, fresh... From recording a new series of her hit TV show, Interior Design Masters, which will be back on The Box this month. But first, thank you all so much for the lovely birthday wishes on our 100th
1: episode. It was so much fun going through the past shows and reliving our highlights.
0: And our... Arguments. Debates, actually. Ah, <laughs> <Are> rows. Conversations. <laughs> well, let's have a conversation, shall we, about your new house renovation, which I have to say, while looking fabulous, is looking very brown because I loved the particular clip that we dug out from the archive, which included you lusting over a yellow kitchen during lockdown, and I've not seen any of that colour popping up in the new remodel. What happened, Kate?
1: Oh, what happened? Well, first of all, what is happening is you might hear my builders in the background having all sorts of (laughs) conversations about fitting electrics into places where there are no walls and switches and anyhow, so just ignore all that. So have I made you forget about the yellow conversation now by talking about my builders? (laughs) (laughs) What happened was, you know, as I've documented before, when I was in lockdown, love a bit of yellow. Come out of lockdown, not so much. Um, you know, I like I like the idea of it, and I like that kind of straw colour. But no, I, it's it's not coming in. Yeah, we've got. I just love a bit of chocolate brown. I love it with pink. I love it with cream. I love it with green. It's the similar sort of palette to the last house, but a bit softer. I was going to
0: say you you, ha- you haven't reinvented the wheel, have you? You you know your colour palette, and you're sticking with it. Yeah, you are bringing in more. Rusty brownie tones. There's some ready browns coming through aren't there? There's some
1: ready browns which I think I probably had a bit of before. A bit of
0: milk chocolate to go with the dark chocolate. Milk mm-hmm. chocolate. A bit more pattern perhaps last time we had wallpaper yes. just wallpapered the bathroom. Oh, I just saw that and actually you messaged me in crisis over the bathroom. Do you want to share? do you want to share your bathroom wallpaper (laughs) Yeah, basically it was quite a ranty text anybody who's listening to this podcast will probably know that me and Kate are regularly on text or Instagram DMs (laughs) sorting out each other's design dilemmas and yours was that you've wallpapered the bathroom all the way around obviously big tick and the decorator put varnish on the wallpaper to protect from the wet steamy environment and what happened well
1: that's right I'd asked him I thought it was being really clever I said you know to protect the wallpaper in a bathroom we need some decorators varnish over the top of it and he was like yep yep all over it that's fine um and then I went away for work classic mistake I I left the country for approximately 18 hours um (laughs) and when I came back he had indeed used decorators varnish but I had forgotten to specify the flat mat and he'd used the satin.
0: Oh, had he? He'd gone for satin. I see it's that subtle. He hadn't even gone for a high gloss because it did look very shiny, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, no,
1: he has gone for the for the satin and it's a bit shiny. So where we are, actually, in daylight, it's a small bathroom with two windows and you don't really notice the shine in the daylight. You notice it more when you have the electric lights on. So part of me, maybe I'll live with it. The other thing is I have now bought uh, a pot of flat mat and I've got a sample and I've got as far as painting the satin over my sample. And I'm going to now see if I can paint the flat mat over the top and if it'll get rid of it. But of course, when you Google it, it says, of course, you can paint mat over satin. Just give it a light sand. Well, not when it's wallpaper. So yeah so yeah. you know I'm either going to have to live with it or this will work but this you know this comes back every time doesn't it with when you're having renovation work done
0: you you have to think of everything. And you can't leave the country. I mean, that's what I'm ta- That's what I'm taking away from this. Do not leave your, your house. Do not leave your house, let alone leaving the country. And also, you know, you, you do have to ask, never be afraid to
1: ask too many questions. We were just broke off recording just then because I've now got to have a question. We thought we could have in the downstairs shower and we had planned and I had bought two wall lights for either side of the mirror because obviously side light more flattering than overhead lights, so on and so forth now having taken everything out and gone to put it back in we have realized that there is not enough space between the edge of the shower and the basin to have a wall light because of the ip zones and waterproof and splash proof so that was fine i said okay i said instant decision maker we will pivot i am very pivoty on interior design decisions we will not have two wall lights either side of the mirror we'll have one overhead light because it's essentially a downstairs with a shower in so it doesn't matter and then of course you think fine I'm relaxed about that. I have solved all these problems. Now of course they want to know how high to put the light that's going above the mirror and I haven't got the mirror.
0: Oh, you haven't bought the mirror yet. Because I thought
1: <gasps> oh. I thought we were going to use an old vintage mirror that we've got because I want to use my old vintage mirror and that was going to be fine with the wall lights either side of it. But actually, it's but too, too tall. Too tall. So we're going to have to take a punt on the height of that light and I'm going to have to buy a mirror to fit. So these are the these are the things, you know. <laughs> you look fine you're looking
0: very stressed. stressed how many how
1: many months
0: in now are you with builders in the house well
1: we moved in at the end of September we had you know one man and his paintbrush here from November until the middle of January and then in the middle of January we started with the upstairs bathroom which is now done and we've moved on to the kitchen so you know, it's been a long old haul of people coming and going. So you've got
0: all the trades now. You've got plumbers, electricians, joiners. You're going to need some plasterers at some point. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah, it's been good. It's not been remotely <laughs> stressful.
0: <laughs> so what's your scheme? We haven't talked about your kitchen. We've done the bathroom. You've got your William Morris wallpaper in the bathroom. Yeah. What's the colour palette going to be for the kitchen? Are you Are going to have a coloured kitchen? I'm not telling you. What? Because I haven't decided. <laughs> We
1: have decided on the shower room and we have got the floor for the kitchen and the units are coming in. What floor are you having? terracotta tiles, sort of reclaimed rustic terracotta tiles. And uh, we're having cream wall tiles and we are having, the cupboards will come in unpainted and we're still deciding between two or three. So, ah, you're just going to have to wait for that one.
0: As soon as I know, I'll let you know. You're getting (laughs) like blank blank cupboard yeah, yeah, and they get painted in situ do they or do they get painted before they arrive? Well they
1: get painted in situ I think and that means we can decide yeah so we've been we've been toing and froing a bit and I think we're just about there but I'm
0: not Gonna say in case we change our mind again. Yeah, I think you'd like a nice yellow. I think a nice. I think yeah, there's nice not going to be yellow,
1: yellow with an orange kitchen. floor. terracotta That's not going to work. <laughs> you for could go. Me. You
0: could go quite turmeric-y with that. You could, you yeah, not going gonna to happen. I could. Yeah, not it? going to Not going to. Really, what I need to ask is what shade of brown? Are you yeah. Using well, I mean, because that's really what we. What's really the conversation yeah. we're about to yeah. have? Yeah. Well, it? I
1: mean, I think you know it's going to be some sort of chocolate. You know, we were looking towards a kind of pink, which I really fancy, but you know, the mad husband's been a bit like more pink you're never gonna well, he was on board minute. and now he's suddenly come off board so this is why uh you know i'm not going to tell you yet because things are all Watch it's all still to play for <laughs> at the moment everything's a nice shade of dust
0: <laughs> well i i'm just gonna have to come and see it aren't i clearly uh, as soon as all the dust has gone and uh, you've been able to clear out some of the boxes now someone else who's been doing a lot of clearing out, is our guest today, Michelle Agunderhin.
1: As many of you will know, Michelle, former editor of Elle Decoration, design writer and television presenter, is also a big fan of the
0: declutter. Yes, hot off the heels of the news that Marie Kondo has given up tidying, Michelle is still very much into it. And it's all part of her kind of like holistic approach to decorating, which Michelle explored in her book, Happy Inside. So without further ado, Michelle, welcome to the great Indoors. Hello, so nice to be back with you guys. <laughs> now Michelle, you've had me absolutely hooked to your Instagram this month. For anybody else who doesn't follow Michelle on Instagram, first of all, you absolutely must. But over on your stories, Michelle, you've had a really interesting kind of like decluttering ta- challenge going on. Tell us more. What's that all about? Yeah, it's the Less Is
2: Now challenge that I've done in February. And the idea is on the first day of the month, you get rid of or you let go, I should say, one thing. On the second day, two things. On the third day, three things and so on and so on and so on. And what's been so fascinating is to start off with, it's easy, it's fun. Like literally, I finished reading a book and I let it go. Off I went to XFAM, granted them my book. <laughs> <and> you... <laughs> I can't give a
1: book away. Do you that? Are you that <laughs> clinical? You, my mother's like that. She reads a letter and she's like in the bin with it. But you're
2: never going to some books you'll never read again. Oh, well, that's that's irrelevant to me. Oh, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a very strong emotional attachment to the actual physical book. Yeah, and a very big bookcase. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's one of those things that's almost sort of like kind of. Oh, you know, there are certain things you're not allowed to declutter. Are they like your your children's drawings or like the books Ooh. and stuff like that? But. I mean, I love my library and I think that was the kind of mindset change for me is to borrow a book, to read it, enjoy it and give it back. I don't need to keep them because most of the books I read novels. This is. I just thought I'm not going to read this again. I know the story. I don't want to read it again. So those cheerfully given away. But all the nonfiction, all the reference books, those are all carefully kind of catalogued by genre, of course.
1: <laughs> so I'm going to have to get to you know February the 27th and find 27 things to to let go. I like your terminology, not chuck let go uh, that are not books. So not books. Can we? Are we allowed to count individual? pieces of paper. I might be able to find 25 supermarket bags
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what's been really fascinating and I've had so many messages on Instagram about this is it it literally starts off easy you get rid of all the obvious stuff that things oh I never loved this I didn't like this and it's small groups of stuff and then about midway you think I'm never going to be able to find 20 things but but you do. And what I realise is I have a basement, <laughs> which is beautifully organised. Again, like there is a crate of things that will be nice for presents or the sports kit or camping things. And because they're organised, I don't go in them. But when I actually pulled out that crate of things that might be nice for presents, none of them are appropriate for anyone <laughs> that I care about. There's like A s- load of old tut. <laughs> well, it's just all things that you bought two of that maybe when the kids were like five. So they'd be great for like a four-year-old girl, but I don't know any four-year-old girls. So you suddenly realise, oh my goodness, but because it was all sort of neatly organised, it somehow missed the cluttering thing. Or But then now where are we? Day 23, I've got to that kind of your old portfolio, your diaries. Like I used to keep a big, like smitened diary. It's got all the kind of, you know, cinema tickets. It's got your notes, Everything. That is suddenly now it's getting a lot harder. But I don't want to keep them because I'm fascinated by this idea of everything only has the value that you give it. You know, if there was a fire, I'm not saving 20 years of old diaries. And so but there are things in it, like you said, that sort of trigger these um, these emotions for me. And so the sort of side project to this, which I think, Sophie, you know about, is my albuming project which is basically this sort of record of my life in these like a3 albums that i think i just get from tiger they're like big sketchbooks and into those go the letters the drawings the cinema tickets a page maybe from the diary or all that kind of ephemera or like the maps of the places i went to visit with the route marked on it or tear sheets and cuttings and newspaper articles and so i've managed to get up to 2007 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it starts oh, again in two thousand nineteen. Wow. Where are you going back to? When do they start? Oh, from birth. It <gasps> goes back. I've got pictures of like my parents' parents <gasps> and like the my death certificates
0: of my father's mother. And you're doing journals. You've journaled out your whole life with That's incredible. Photos, mementos, pictures, scraps. Like scrapbooking type your life, basically. But I, but but the questions I constantly ask myself, you know, of a ra-
2: rainy weekend when I'm doing it, I think, oh, I'll do 2008. It's like, am I wasting the present? by cataloguing the past like who am I doing this for oh this is
1: proper existential isn't it
2: well but I don't want all the (laughs) stuff you see so that like massive part that you'll see I think tomorrow because there's 24 diaries and sketchbooks and the the, where I used to do that daily pages thing and it's just like I'm never going to read this again like my son is never going to read it why am I keeping them so I, I love the process of why Why? Why do I want this thing? Maybe there's one page on it that's useful that you keep.
1: Maybe I need to employ you to come round. We were just clearing out, you know, various boxes. We've got stuff in storage. The wrong things are in storage. The, You know, we've got things in the house that we don't need. And I have refound, after a period of 10 years where I thought I'd lost them, uh, my history O-level bander sheets, which for anyone who is younger than me uh, was pre-photocopier, I think, and the teacher would write it on a piece of paper, the notes, with carbon paper and then she would photocopy and it was purple handwritten notes I've got all those from my O levels I think Michelle's going to say I don't need them but I have to
2: say having <laughs> come this far I feel I can't now get rid of them but I've got those I've got my school reports but they're in the albums so I think one of the like key tenets in my book was this idea that you know I love things I love our things your things are the talismans of your life so there's there's objects there's you know like this which I don't know if anyone would be able to see it's a little leg- go heart that my son made like about four years ago I mean it, it has immense value to me I mean unfortunately that won't go in the album but so it's not about tidying per se and it's not even about minimum it's definitely not about minimalism it's not about getting rid of your things but it is about containing them so if we were in my study right now you'd see there's two cupboards on either side and then a series of shelves that are full with my like chotskys all oh, the bits and pieces but it's in mm. one place and so that's what allows me to kind of live with it it's not everywhere and scattered and so I do like to kind of you know the rare occasion, say the kitchen countertop has actually not got stuff all over it, it just I think you could just breathe easier uh, it's it's so interesting
1: because the other thing I've got I noticed that you posted on Instagram that you had kept, I think, was it one of your parents' coffee pots? And you posted about, you know, you. I think you don't even drink coffee. You certainly wouldn't drink coffee out of a receptacle like that because it doesn't make coffee anymore. And But, you know, it belonged, to, I think, to your mother. And, you know, you felt very strongly about it. But should you get rid of it because you were no longer going to use it? And I have a doll's tea set which belonged to my great-grandmother. And it's wrapped in very old bits of newspaper, and it's in a sort of plastic green crate, and we caught this thing about because I'm like oh but it was my grandmother's oh it's a mini doll set oh it's like 150 years old I mean I don't think it's worth anything I once had a bit of an eBay search and it was worth nothing and and I don't use it and actually do you know what I
2: I should shouldn't I that should go someone else could play with it I mean the coffee pot oh. is a brilliant example because I put it absolutely on the party to clear out because it'd been in a cupboard I don't drink coffee that was the end of it to me so many messages people go oh it's beautiful use it as a vase use it to plant a thing in you know use it as a watering can to which my response was i have vases i have a watering can it's a beautiful piece of design that should be used for coffee let me pass it on to someone who will use it so your beautiful tea set it's just gathering dust. Pass it to someone who will love it. Sophie, can you take over the rest of this show? I feel
1: motivated to go now. <laughs> By the end of this recording, I may have lost the motivation. But yes, I, I, I hear you. And I like really very much your definition of it's stuff as opposed to, you know, possessions. And, and a lot of it is just, yes, yeah, stuff taking up space. And who has room
0: for it now? I'd just like to pick up on the idea of motivation, because this is where I struggle. I have way too much stuff, Michelle. I mean, it's embarrassing. I've got everything's full. I've got bookshelves groaning. I've got a whole like fit. I'm just looking at all my fitted storage here in my office full of wallpaper swatches, fabric swatches, old magazines, pen pots. I don't use it all, but I find it really hard this concept of letting go but what if one day what if one day I wear that sweater again or what if one day I take up coffee again I need a coffee <laughs> pot or what if, do you know and I get this from my mother because she's even worse than me how do we break this kind of like one day I might want it i regret throwing it out feeling that so many of us struggle with I
2: think many of the things that we hold on to fall into that just in case category
0: yeah totally
2: and To me, that's linked some way to some sort of insecurity that it's like, you know what? If that moment arises when you need that toilet tube or the black jumper or that swatch from 19 wherever, whatever, you'll get it. You'll find it again or the book that you want. You borrow it from the library. It'll be still out there. It'll be on the Internet. We actually have you have everything you need already, but we hang on to these things just in case. But oftentimes I also hear people say, "Oh, I threw that away and the very next day I needed yes. that thing." Yes. It's like, you know yes. what? That's, so that's your what my mum says. "Tricks with you. You don't need that thing." Or that thing you threw away probably isn't perfect for the purpose, but somehow I think our brains because we seek safety and reassurance kind of go, "Oh, oh, danger, danger. See, you need to keep these things around you to make you feel safe." So maybe your cupboard of all your lovely samples and things. It's just, it's reassuring. But actually, you don't need to be reassured. You know what you like. You know what you like. And I think that's always the thing people say, with, especially with interiors, don't they? They're like, oh, I don't know what my taste is. I, I don't know what I like. It's like, yes, you do. You got dressed this morning. Or if you go to a restaurant, you know what you want to choose. You know what you like. We always, we know the answers in ourselves, even to the big questions like, what does success look like to you? We just have to talk it through. We know the answers. And I think it's exactly the same with the, the decluttering that you, we... We simply need less. But it also, we're at that point, aren't we, that many things we should never have acquired in the first place. So there is that whole consumerist thing. Why do we feel drawn to like, oh, just one more bottle of perfume, one more this, one more that? We don't need it.
0: Do you think if you go through this decluttering process, you're also really getting in touch with the, with the worth, the value of things, do you think it also stops you being such a consumerist? If you throw out more, do you almost bring in less? Yeah, no, that's a beautiful way of putting it. I think
2: it makes you very considered. I think that's what we're aiming for. That's the big move that we all need to make as we go forward, that it is less about trends and style and more about the big picture of kind of sustainability. And I think the idea is not to say don't ever buy anything again, but to be really considered in what you buy. So as you look around you, you look at the things and go, yeah, I love that. Or it really fulfills a purpose or i or it has the beautiful memory because there is definitely room for those sort of things, but that you've you've carefully thought about what you've bought, and so those things of course you will keep, but it'll also make you realize you don't need another one, you don't need another picture frame or another black sweater or another this or another that because you have one, so with the coffee pot example, it's like I have a vase, I don't need the coffee pot to be a vase, you know, I don't need a watering can, I have a watering can. So, although I suppose there's an argument that I could make this multifunctional thing, but it's a beautiful coffee pot that deserves to pour coffee. So let's let it go.
1: Oh, I think,
2: Michelle, if if if,
1: <laughs> if the TV work dries up, I think you've got a whole new career as a motivational speaker and life
2: coach. I'm in. <laughs> but I think what's, you know, that's that is... The joy of the home to me. I mean, the only reason I'm in any aspect of any sort of part of interior design is because this stuff really affects you. I think all of us, we just want to be our best selves, don't we? We want to be happy, we want to be balanced, we want our children to grow up and be healthy and happy and not screen obsessed. So In all that talk about well-being, you know, they talk about nutrition, they talk about yoga, talk about your food, your motivation. But we forget to talk about the space in which arguably it all comes together. And so that was always my premise.
0: Another big part of what you share on your Instagram and indeed your book is also a lot around well-being so let's just also I mean the reason why you're a decluttering fan is because you know it makes us feel better we can feel stressed some people anyway feel stressed by too much stuff and you know Stacey Solomon and Nick Knowles and all the people on TV are making a whole career out of telling people how to chuck their stuff out so I think that's a given but you're also interested in the sort of materials and cleaning products And the other things that we bring into our home as well in terms of keeping this one body that we live in healthy. Absolutely. I mean, there are scientific studies that
2: kind of literally draw a line between mess and stress. I don't think there's anyone who can say, oh, no, 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 it doesn't stress me out. It might be subliminal. But then there's that whole argument like, oh, a clear desk versus a messy desk. When you're in the midst of creativity, you need all that stuff around you. And that's fine. But I think it's more I like the mantra of like a place for everything and everything in its place. It's not about not having things or having like, you know, it's all clear surfaces, but it is about looking as well like at the whole holistic envelope that you live within so as you look up you know are you surrounded by the colors that resonate for you so muddy colors for me and Kate brights for you (laughs) and but it's but now it's also delving deeper into like actually what's the glue underneath your carpet has your mattress got fire retardant in it what's what's behind the curtains you know what paint do you use and so you can drive yourself a little bit nuts and I, I wouldn't want sort of people to sort of back themselves into that But it is about knowing things like those cheap candles that are on sale everywhere. Paraffin wax is a byproduct of the petroleum industry. You might as well stick your head in the garage and throw in the cheap perfume <laughs> in it as well. So we like these things thinking oh it 's going to be relaxing and it 's like you are what you breathe. you know clean air is so important and again there 's so many studies that draw a line between kind of polluted air and all sorts of respiratory illness but I think You know, the bigger picture for me was why I even began writing the book. Was I was just looking at all these stats and just seeing like the kind of that curve of chronic illness. It's going up and up and up, and the cancers and the respiratory diseases, the anxieties, the depressions. It's like, what the heck are we doing to ourselves? And it's not just that sort of the global sense of pollution. I think it is. The pressure that we put ourselves under, but also not simply from our perspective, not understanding the power of what surrounds us and our power to make really healthy choices in what surrounds us and to be conscious and considered about that and to, to, to understand the impact of it. And so the first book was, you know, it's a bit of a tome, isn't it? I remember, Kate, when you reviewed it, saying it's quite a commitment to read this book. And Sophie, I know you (laughs) flicked through because there was not enough pictures in it, too many words. (laughs) I'm going to interrupt you there, Michelle. You just slid in that word, the first book. Uh, Is there another? There is, there is. I'm working on the second one, which is called, well, working title, Simple Inside. And the idea here is that it's, It's the how-to, where the first book might have been the why, the philosophy. This is literally what to do. So the fast track, the super accessible, the single volume that you'll read in a day and literally go away and go, right, brilliant, I'm starting. Sophie's in. Yes. Oh God. You've written this one for yes. so yes. <laughs> probably pictures no pictures. In it? <laughs> I've had probably some illustrations <laughs> no. or something. But I want to make it <laughs> oh, really okay. really simple. And it's been hard because this is something I do feel so, so passionate about and it's just trying to think, how can I how can I get this idea across so like the most number of people really, really, really get it? Because I will go into the shops and I get upset when I see people buying those nasty candles and just thinking, you need to not do this. Or even like what I love about Instagram is that kind of wonderful dialogue you get. Like I put something out and all the questions or people go, oh my God, I didn't realise that. Or, or where to recycle things or kind of did you know that this paint can do this? Or kind of have
0: you thought about this? Or just putting the stuff, the information out there and you do make it very simple i mean i really enjoyed your whole series about cleaning (laughs) (laughs) i love that oh i wish i see she's all a glamorous tv presenter but it's we're here for the cleaning tips aren't we guys oh oh, wait until you see i've actually prepared
2: material for a real uh-oh about cleaning the oven I deliberately left my oven to get absolutely filthy. I think I went a bit too far. That's my excuse anyway, and I'm sticking to it. But I've yet to put it together because, like, oven cleaners are one of the most, most toxic. horrendous things. Like, all the small print on the back saying, open your windows, use glass, wear goggles, you don't need any of it. And I'm, I'm showing how this absolutely hideous oven can be cleaned with sodium bicarbonate. And and so easy. Yes,
0: so yes. that's what you use. It's yes. all the old fashioned stuff yes. that our grannies used, isn't it? That's all the the, the lemon, the vinegar, the bicarb. Because yes, it's the cult of convenience. That's what
2: we all fell into. That like if you thought one product can do it quicker. And it's like, but you know what? Actually,
1: you're paying a price for that. And it's interesting. I mean, the book is called Simple, but I like the way you're saying you you've got to make it quite simple for people to do, because otherwise it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? And you think, oh, I'm just going to have a lie down and a bit of a cry. I can't do it. So actually, you've got a double challenge of making it simplifying your life as the goal, but also making it simple enough that people will feel they can do it and not just feel terrified. So when's it out? Exciting! I think it'll be next year,
0: spring next year. But in the meantime, we can we can see your reels on Instagram about we'll oven cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> Now from uh oven cleaning. Should we go to something a bit more glamorous? Your oh, new TV yeah. show. Shall we? Segway, segue into uh Interior Design Masters with Alan Carr, which series is, four. Is, is series four. Can series? you believe it? Woo-hoo-hoo. Yes. So it's Tuesday, March 7th, 8 o'clock, BBC One. Amazing. So it's eight episodes, isn't it? And you've got how many designers? Ten designers we start up. Well, we call them do we call them designers they
2: all have a degree of knowledge so but you've got someone we've got the most amazing i think cast of like characters if we can call them that so we've got someone who like is a criminal lawyer so that's the wig and the gowns and everything but her passion is to do design we've got one of the youngest contestants this year actually has a style that's like incredibly grown up so you see his house and it's like a Ralph Lauren showroom you've got the the student who's just finished who like lives at home with his parents and is like you know I should probably break out from here you've got someone who does voiceovers you've got an actor waiter who's actually the most incredible artist and so it's just my favorite thing always is that first moment that I meet them and you can't help but you make all your preconceptions I know a little bit about them and you think okay show me show me who you are through your design work and what what I think is really interesting about this show is that In the
1: past, interior design shows have tended to... They've had a bit more of a game show element about them, shall we say that, and that that part of the the show has been about provoking a reaction and, and quite often if the reaction is bad, that's better telly. But you're here trying to do something that gives an insight into working for a client or the realities of it. And I think that's interesting because right from the very first show, you don't really do houses, which all the other interior shows have done. Do you do spaces? Um, And I remember in in the very, I think it was the very first series you did a hotel Rooms, and there was one uh, which was sort of beautifully draped in lots of lace, and it was sort of Victorian Gothic. And I remember thinking, "Oh, that's really pretty." And then you came in, and you went, "Yeah, but this is a hotel. How are we going to clean that?" And it was like, "Oh, that's really interesting." And you 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 really get into that on this show the the
2: realities of designing for a space well and also for a client I think one of the biggest things is well there's three things I think it's one it's interior design not just interior decoration that's a leap many of them have to make I think I always kind of say you know everyone with a love for colour and cushions thinks they can be an interior designer but it's so much harder than that so each challenge is kind of designed to show them like a different side of what it takes and one of the biggest things is it's not about you It is about the client. You are in service to the user, the client, the location, and they gradually start to understand all these sort of different aspects of what makes a successful design, which is then over and above subjectivity. It's not about whether I like it. It's about does it work? But then also, there's all these like madcap, bonkers ideas that they bring in. That sometimes you're like, oh <laughs> my god, that's actually incredible. It's like it won't work, but it, it's incredible. I love how you've like been thinking. So you have to applaud the ambition sometimes. But then equally, sometimes the ambition is is unrealistic because they've they've never actually done it for real. They've done all the drawings, they've mapped it all out, but it can't be done by a real person in. Than
0: the time and the budget that we give them. I think that's what I really enjoy about the show. So I come in as a guest judge. I'm coming into episode two, aren't I, of this series, which is lovely. So I get to meet the big spread of designers. And what I enjoy is someone who, like yourself, Michelle, been around <laughs> for a while, that they still shock and surprise me, you know. So I get to see the brief as well. And so in my head, I'm thinking, OK, well, I'd probably approach it like this and I'd probably do that. and then. You see what they've done with it and it's just like, oh, I would never have thought to put an eight foot faux tree in the middle of the room, but it somehow looks incredible. It's like, and I think this is the the beauty of the naivety and the freshness, if you like, of the designers. Like they're unboxed, aren't they, these guys? They're also in competition which I think is definitely egging them on to perhaps make more or, you know, to get noticed by you. Um, but I, I think, yes, it's all very sensible and they're very clever of thinking about the brief. But then I also think there's this lovely kind of outbursting of unbridled creativity that I, I personally really enjoy. That's
2: what I think the viewers kind of love as well, because it is giving you all these ideas. But, I mean, I, I like the the personal. I know journey is a word we use a lot like in TV, but... The growth of the people is the bit that I think I'm there for. Cause there's always the ones who are like, they're too quiet, they're terrified, they lack confidence. And then there's the ones that think they know it all. And if there's a midpoint where these two kind of like types of character tend to coalesce and that the the ones that think they know everything suddenly realise they don't and they have things to learn from the other designers, or there will be that quiet one that's actually been soaking it all up from everyone else who suddenly brings out that like absolute zinger of a designer. You're like, oh, my God, because from my point of view, I mean, I get me and both Alan and I get to see everyone all the way through. But you're looking for that person that's, they're just that open, they want to learn and they're just, they're absorbing it all. And that's what I just, I find gives me goosebumps.
1: I'm so interested in that, in that your choice of words there, that this is not about interior decorating, this is about interior design. And I'm guessing the successful ones, again, to use the journey, they perhaps turn up as decorators, because everybody can be a bit of a decorator, and they become designers through the process, through the challenges. So that's why as a show it works because it's not just about the gimmicky let's do a room and see the reaction it's it's a learning process
0: I don't know sometimes like I remember you've had like architects on the show who are really good at the spatial planning they're really good at the lighting the layouts blah 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 but they can't pick a colour so actually <laughs> and then they're learning they're learning off the flamboyant ones who are like putting tassels yeah. and trims and everything on everything and they're like oh I need to do more of that so I think you see this lovely kind of cross-pollination of talent happening and I think it's a really wonderful celebration of interior design is all these things and they all you know when you make it to the top of the tree you have to bring in all these different elements together and it's who who can do that you know who can bring all the different branches absolutely and then
2: as you say both of you have said like with the fairy dust as well that x factor over the top that you just think oh my god i wouldn't even have thought of doing that and i love it But I do remember, I'm sure in our episode, Mm. uttering the immortal words to you, Sophie, that just because it's bright doesn't mean it's brilliant. I don't know if it'll make the edit, but uh, there was something, wasn't there, we were looking at and it was all super zingy. But I mean, that's why I love having guest judges because you you bring a different perspective and you you find different things. And then the conversations that we have about, well, what, what is good? What does work? What is right? Is there a kind of, you know, the perfect interior design? And there isn't there just isn't especially when they're working on spaces that are almost identical and then you've got sort of 10 different interpretations of it how do you decide which one is best or better or the worst (laughs) so i'm a bitch and that's why you've got the hardest job (laughs) i just didn't like that person (laughs) not at all caveat taking that back it is it is really hard because also You know, this is where I would get very emotionally invested. You feel their passion. They want this so badly. I mean, as I said, you've got someone Mm. that's got like a, you know, a proper job, an absolute day job. But this is their passion that they just want to kind of go. Can I? Can I give up the sensible job that my parents wanted me to do and just go with my passion? And you you root for them. You want them to do it. You want them to learn and you want to. So I hope always Mm. it's very Empowering and that we're giving constructive criticism and kind of, you know, okay, think about this, think about that. And I know for the next
0: series that we'll start filming in June, can you believe it? we're gonna have a little bit more yeah do you want to do do you want to do a shout out for contestants while you're here because I know you're you're casting at the moment aren't you that's right yeah if you go on to I think it's at interior design masters that
2: underscore thing TV on Instagram you can get the link to apply for the next series
0: so absolutely we will pop it in the show notes of this podcast we can put the link in there for anybody who's listening and one little tiny tweak is like You know, at the moment where after we've sort of briefed
2: them, Alan and I go off and he says, so, you know, what are you looking for and all that kind of stuff that we've realized, actually, I need to maybe say that more directly, actually, to the contestants there and then. And so to just give keep giving more feedback so that so that you actually don't have exactly what you say from the person going like, oh, I don't mind what they do as long as it's not pink cut to like contestant (laughs) opening a tin of pink paint you know I need to say it to them don't do pink or whatever so and you're right because we don't go for those cheap kind of jeopardy shots this is about them growing and learning and responding to a brief
0: well you're really passionate about that aren't you and you're uh, you're so generous with your knowledge and generous with your spirit and you are a hard task master that's why we love you Michelle there's a slight you know (laughs) but at the same time it is about encouraging people into our industry you've always got that open door open heart I think policy, which I think is what makes our industry so lovely. We need more use, I think, Aww, in interior isn't that design. A nice thing to say? Yeah, hundred so percent.
2: Well, it is hard. <laughs> we know it's hard, and I just you want them. You want all of them to be the best that they can be and they're not going to get that if you just are kind of fluffy and kind of go oh that's lovely you did really well with that thing it needs to be like I need to see you do more of this or can you think about this or I mean it's mentoring isn't it I mean I've actually just signed up for um like this sort of me- with the creative mentor network so I've actually just met a mentee that I'm going to work with for like 16 weeks which I'm really excited about but the training we had like two sessions I'm going to learn so much through it as well sort of the art of really listening and asking all those lovely open questions so it's you know, it's fascinating. I just
1: I would like to ask one thing, um, because, for example, you know, we watch those shows, Bake Off, and, and all those sort of contestant shows, and it feels like every year the standard gets higher and higher. But I wonder whether as people go along, because they can see that there is sort of training and mentoring within the programme and people are going to learn things, are you finding that that either there are more more applicants or that the standard of applicants is perhaps slightly more trained and experienced with each series you go to? Oh, that's a really
2: good question. I don't think the standard is actually different. I think there's a difference between like series one and series two because no one knew what it was to start off with. But the criteria for applications has always stayed the same. But I think one thing we were wary of, that you would get a a calibre of person applying that was a bit too knowing, if you know what I mean. They're like, oh, this is what we need to do to succeed. And it's not going to work like that because it's different locations, different brief, different year, different context. But I think... I think I'm just very encouraged by the fact that there is an enormous amount of creativity out there. And perhaps something has changed in the sort of the bigger sense, maybe through lockdown and all of that stuff, where people have realised that actually, you can make a career in the creative industries. There are a lot of people, I think, that have chosen the safe profession, you know, the one that their parents told them to. And creativity is seen as a bit scary. It's not a proper job, is it? But now maybe people have sort of unleashed that and they feel freer and more able and they're willing to sort of take a punt because it's it's our one and beautiful life. So how are you going to live it? So I think maybe we're seeing a bit more of that come through because we also have all
0: ages applying, which is a is a wonderful thing. Yes,
1: that's great, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess
0: on on that note, for people who feel too afraid to sign up for the TV show or perhaps don't get cast, what would be your advice for any of our listeners who would like to make that career transition.
2: Well, I get a lot of questions like that and I actually on my website I have a kind of a blog post that I send them the link to which is called like frequently asked questions because one of the biggest things that I think anyone wanting to go into this industry needs to do is work out what is your voice? What is your your starting point? What do you stand for? You know, what 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 do you believe in? Go from there because you can't just turn up at an office you know, with a little, with a portfolio, not with a portfolio. I don't think it's ever really about what school you went to or whether you can draw or whether you can't or whatever, but I think it's about having a point of view. So I would ask them to work on that first, which also ties into what I would ask anyone wanting to do their home to. It's like, who are you? What's important to you? You know, we have to ask ourselves these questions first and then use creativity as this sort of wonderful pathway through to realise it
0: love that. Oh, Michelle. Well, that's just the perfect place to end this beautiful interview because I could talk to you all day. And it's, well, we, you know, it's so nice to have you back on the podcast. I'd like to keep the invitation open that we could have you back again in the future. Because we always have such good chats.
2: Oh, well, it's an honour to be here. And I mean, I love, you genuinely love your podcast. When I'm walking the dog in
0: the morning, I love, it's like I've like had a lovely like (laughs) chat with the pair of you. And do follow Michelle for lots of tips, not just on organising and holistic living, but of course, for some of those behind the scenes of her new show. A reminder again, Michelle, when's it on? It's March the 7th. It's a Tuesday. It's 8 o'clock BBC One. Set that reminder.
1: There you go. And in the meantime, you can find Michelle on at Michelle Agunderhin on Instagram, while I'm mad about the house and Sophie is, of course, Sophie Robinson Interior. But
0: for now, thanks to our producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And thanks so much to you for listening. And
1: we'll see you in the great indoors.